Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Take note. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take note. Take note. Our confession of faith. Ready. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life and life. Shout it out. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing. Go to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Uh, if you were not here on last Sunday, and I know we had many that were out due to the uh, snowstorm that the news made seem like was the day after tomorrow. Uh, so you need to get last week's tape. I'll do a little review today, and uh, and then we'll move in what God has ordained today. Uh, say, knowing God's will. Hebrews 9, go to verse number 15, it says this, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, say by death, for the redemption of transgressions under the first covenant, he's talking about Torah or the Mosaic covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance for where there is a testament or a will, say a will, there is also the necessity by, uh, be the uh, also of necessity be the death of the testator verse 17 for a testament or a will is enforced only after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and goats with wa- uh, water scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Look at me real quick. So we talked about this last week. A will is not enforced. Now, this scripture, the Bible we have, this canon we have is God's will. Say it's his will. This is only enforced by death. Now, two things have to die. Number one, Christ, when he died, uh, what happened was is he needed to die in order that his will might be activated for your life, which means that none of these promises and none of what he says to you is active without his death. The second thing, though, that has to die is your flesh because a will is not in a force until after men are dead, which means the will won't work while you're trying to do your own thing. The word won't work while you're trying to do your own thing. Are you still here? Now, go uh, one more place. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six. Hallelujah. 
I said hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, I want you to go to verse 5. Again, we were here last week. It says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, when it says united in the likeness of his death, it deals with when we have baptism. When you are baptized uh, in water, what happens is, is when you go down, it is symbolic of his death. When you come up, it is symbolic of his resurrection. It says this, verse 6, knowing this, say, I know this. Say it like you mean it. I know this. I know this. That our old man, what? Was crucified with him. Now, which means all of the old you, all of Adam's nature, all of the stuff you used to do is already dead. And if it's living, it's only living because you illegally went in and woke it up. You have to get a permit before you can go dig up something dead. Which means if Adam's alive, it's because you illegally got him up. Are you still here? Uh, that the body of sin might be done away with. Now, might means there that it is conditional, which means there's something that has to be done. It's almost as an if-then kind of a statement. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I told you this last week. Sin there, it deals with what? Missing the mark or being out of his will. So let's read it again. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of being out of his will might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to being out of his will. For he who has died has been freed from missing his will. I'm going to say it again. For he who has died, say that's me, has been freed from sin. Which means this, it means that when you recognize that, and we're going to look at it because it says recognize that. When you understand that, as we do, say, I understand that. I understand. It means that there's a whole nother way that you approach life now. Because you do not approach it throwing something on the wall to see if it sticks. Because you understand Adam has been killed. Are you still here? What's this? Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin or missing his will once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, say that's me, reckon yourselves. Now I like that because that's where they got country in the scripture. Where reckon means think or consider or believe. He says, likewise, you also consider yourselves to be dead indeed to being out of his will, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, I pray that you would open the ears of your people to hear, God, that we might move in those things that you've ordained, Father, that we might walk in your will. Sin is not an option. Sin, which means to miss the mark, is not an option. Because we're going to be in your perfect will that you've designed before the foundation of the earth. And we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Just look at your neighbor and high five him on your way down and say, knowing God's will. Knowing God's will. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I want to, I want to again teach this to you. And again, I encourage you, if you were not here last week, you must get uh, the CD from last week so that you can be where we're going. Uh, knowing God's will changes everything. Say that. 
Knowing God's will changes everything. It does. It changes every single thing about your life. It changes how you approach life. It changes how you do things. Because when you understand his will before you do a thing, you don't question after you do a thing. Uh, how many times have we made decisions and then later regretted them or later questioned them because we simply didn't have an understanding up front, say up front, of what his will was. Now, we talked about this last week, that there's a broad will and then there's a specific will. Now, broad is what the scripture teaches. Uh, 3 John 1, 2, it says, Beloved, above all, I wish ye prosper and be in health, even as their soul prospers. And so we understand that's a broad will. But in you prospering, which just simply means to do what? Be whole. In you prosper. Are y'all here? Uh, which simply means to behold, in you prospering, there is a specific will. Because how is it that you go about fulfilling that? Are you listening? How do you go about fulfilling that? So the scripture can say you're the head and not the tail. But how do you di differentiate whether or not you're the head or the tail in your specific situation? So you have a broad will of God and then you have the specific will of God. Say specific. Now, the problem with specific is, is that the word may not, in, uh, in logos form, which is written form, it may not specifically address your specific need, which means it may not tell you whether or not you should take the job that pays 45000 or take the job that pays forty two five. Well, yes, it does. Bishop says you prosper and be in hell. But prosperity does not just mean more money, because I know a lot of folk with more money that's got a lot of hell. And the scripture says when he blesses, he adds no sorrow to it, which means once he gives it to you, you'll never regret having it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Uh, so now in this, go to James chapter 1. Uh, when you know his will, and we're going to move in this thing, when you know his will, it removes double-mindedness. Uh, double-minded is literally operating with two souls. Uh, your soul is comprised of your mind, thought, will, and emotions. To be double-minded is where you are operating with two sets of minds, two sets of thoughts, two sets of wills, and two sets of emotions. And that is the reason why you can feel great about something on Monday and by Thursday not even want to do it no more. Because you have what the scripture says, dispucos. You got two souls in you. You have two psyches in you. And you vacillate back and forth between the two because you have not heard the finality of his will. Are you listening? Y'all, y'all, I must be speaking in tongue and y'all can't interpret. James 1, verse 2. Uh, here says, <clears throat> my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why can I count it joy? Because if I understand if I'm in his will, I understand anything I face, he ordained. And if he ordained it or if he willed it, I know it can't kill me. I know it can't stop me. I know it can't knock me down because if he willed it, he only willed it to improve me. He only willed it to increase me. But I can't count anything, Joel, and I don't know who sent it in the first place. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience or diligence or endurance or perseverance. But let patience have its what? Perfect work that you may be perfect. The word perfect there means mature and complete, lacking nothing. All right, watch this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God, who gives to all what? Liberally and without reproach, and it will be what? Given to him. But let him ask in faith. Here it is. With no what? Doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, I know you, you, you don't like, you're not like this. But that neighbor of yours. 
when they do stuff, many times they do it like the sea. And it's tossed to and fro depending on which way the wind's blowing that day. And so on Sunday, they're your number one fan. And by Monday, they hate you. And by Tuesday, they want to sit down and have dinner to reconcile. And by Wednesday, they don't know whether or not it's going to work out. Why? Because you've got two psyches in you. You have two souls. And you doubt. And the reason that we doubt, people of God, is we doubt because we don't understand the finality of his will in the first place. And we're going to look at this. His will is not always going to line up with what you feel. Okay, now y'all will get with me. His will and your feelings are total enemies. The Bible says the spirit and the flesh, they are at enmity. They hate one another. They fight one another. They, what's the, what, the roadrunner and what's the thing? The coy- Wiley, Coyote, and Roadrunner. That is your spirit and your flesh. And they'll set one another up. Your flesh knows exactly how to set you up to get you to do something. You know you ain't got no bend to do it. Because it hates it. It hates it. I says, now, he says, let him ask with no doubting, which means I only doubt when I don't know what the facts are in the first place. I don't need to be convinced that I am a black African-American male. I am a black African-American man. Being a male is by birth. Being a man is by choice. Now, I don't doubt that. You know why I don't? Because I don't. I am thoroughly convinced of this fact. You can walk up to me and say, you know, I think, I think Bishop is Asian. He looked like he looked Puerto Rican. Now, I'm not saying that ain't in there somewhere. Bishop is a good-looking white man. No. Now, for all those of you who the first time, don't be getting all, you see, he's talking about him. I'm just trying to prove a point. You can't tell me I'm a white man. Because I'm not. Because I know I can't be convinced of something otherwise. Which means when I know his will, I cannot be convinced of anything otherwise. So you can sit up and say what you want to say all day, but I'm convinced. Are you listening? Now, watch this. Verse 7. For let not that man, what man? The man that doubts. Why does he doubt? Because he doesn't know God's will. Let not that man suppose that he'll receive what? Anything from the Lord. Which means you can be asking God. I mean in earnest about it. Father, I believe you for this. 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 this. And not see anything. And the reason you won't see anything is because you don't, you're not convinced of his will in the first place. So when you ask for something, you're really asking in doubt, not in faith. See, if you, co- if you go to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know you're loaded. And I need a million dollars today. See, if you was full of faith, you'd ask him. You'd ask, I sure would. Now, 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 now watch this. If you knew they had it, when you asked, you wouldn't be asking with doubt. You'd be waiting on the check 
after the service. Matter of fact, before they try to get up out of your sight, you, hey, hey, don't forget. But now, if you didn't think they had it when you asked, you'd be asking full of doubt. So if they told you no, you take that answer. Okay, let's, let's. A lot of doors that shut are only a test to see whether or not you're convinced you're supposed to walk through it in the first place. No just means not that way. Because if I know his will, when I walk up to a door that I know he's already given me permission to walk through, you got to open yourself. And so you may say, no, not right now or not this way. But either way, I'm coming through because I know what his will is. Watch this. And let that, that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. Here it is right here. For he is double-minded, Greek word dispukos. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. And you know folk like this that are unstable. And not talking about because of their life or anything like that, but they can't even make simple decisions. They're unstable in every way. This means on Monday they're a Christian. On Tuesday they're a Muslim. On Wednesday, they're an atheist. On Friday, they're getting resaved. Why? Because they're unstable. And the thing about unstable people is you never know which one of them you're talking to. You ever met unstable folk? I mean, unstable folk. And you don't know which one of them you're talking to. You got to ask him sometimes, which, who is this? Just tell me which one of you I'm talking to today. Is this the same one? Is this the saved one? Because <laughs> one of you ain't saved. <laughs> I need to make sure I'm talking to the saved one. <laughs> Are you here? Watch this. Dispucos, it means two psyches, two souls vacillating back and forth. Here's what happens. is I learn his will, and then I declare his will through prayer, so everything I ask for, I already know the answer before I ask for it. That's what praying the prayer of James talks about later on in chapter 5, praying the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is the one where I already know the answer to it. So let me give you the difference. So if, I, so if you're praying for healing in your body, you understand his word teaches that he bore your sicknesses, took your infirmities, and by his stripes you were healed. That's his will. So when I pray, I don't say, God, if it's your will to heal me of this infirmity. Guess what? The answer then is automatically, no, I will not heal you. Why? Because you don't even believe it. And let me say it like this. It's not that he says, no, I won't heal you. It's just he's saying, I set it out there before you, life and death, but you don't even want to choose life because you're not convinced you're supposed to live. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm convinced I'm supposed to live. Say, I'm convinced I've got destiny. I, I'm convinced of it, man, so I'm not checking out of here until I fulfill everything that God has ordained. So anything that pops up to try to stop me before that, I'm convinced it's got to go. 
or at least hush until I'm done working. Are you here? Now watch this. If I don't know his will before I pray, then everything I ask for, I'm asking in doubt. Now, go to Job 22. Go to Job 22. Job 22. You're going to be around in your Bible a lot today. All right, Job 22, verse 28. Here it is. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established, what? For you. So light will shine, what? On your ways. Now, remember, we talked about this, and we're going to get into this today. When I understand his will, and when I yield my will to his, which means I say to my flesh, you dead. So why are you talking to me? We are having an illegal conversation. You can't go view somebody in jail without permission. So how is it you going to go and talk to somebody that's in the grave without permission? Adam's nature is dead. And all we got to do is just believe that. And since, and I gave this analogy last week, since I believe that, I'll act like that. Okay? How many people, when you got saved, you got a certificate of salvation from Jesus? Come on, put those hands up. I want to see it. Come on. Jesus Christ, not the church. Not Rev. Jones. Not the church. Jesus signed a personal certificate for you of salvation, saying you saved. Come on, let me see him. You got it? No. No. You, you didn't get one from heaven. You didn't. But you believe that you're saved. You didn't get a text. You didn't get an email. He didn't tweet you. He didn't Facebook you. He didn't MySpace you. You walking around telling people I'm saved and ain't got no proof. Except for the fact that you believe it. And because I believe it, that then settles the issue. So it's the exact same way when we deal in understanding God's will. I just have to believe my flesh is dead, which will therefore change how I act concerning that which I believe. Since I believe that I'm not six foot five, I don't go try out for the Nuggets. Granted, I could probably get on the team and start. Like, how he be making all them badges? He just some moaning. He got that anointing. <laughs> Watch this. Because I believe I don't like to be hit, I'm not trying out from the Broncos. Even though with the men on the road to is, we could probably go be the starting lineup. <laughs> Say something, son. <laughs> but I don't like to be hit. I got a problem watching a dude run up on me to hit me. I got a problem with that. I just got a problem with that. I, you know, I, you know, you can call me chicken, call me whatever you want. I'm going to be a live chicken. 
My neck ain't going to be messed up, chicken. So, so no. So because I believe that, I don't do that. So when you believe that God has crucified Adam's nature in you, there's stuff you just won't do because of what you believe. And you don't have to have no 